Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. Guys, we have a lot going on and filing officially is over in Texas, which means that the field is set. Every candidate that's going to be on the ballot has applied for a place on the ballot, been accepted. If you were thinking about running for office and didn't file, well, you're not running. And this kind of bookmarks the build-up season in Texas politics. As of Monday at 6 p.m., it was officially campaign season. And there's some good things that came. Even last minute, like on the last day of filing, John Kempel got a third challenger. John Kempel is one of the most liberal Republicans in the Texas House. You also saw Dwayne Burns in the Johnson County area in Somerville County get a challenger. And the challenger was from none other than Brooke Rollins' mother. And for those of you who don't know Brooke Rollins, she is a pillar in Texas politics. She actually was probably the person who grew the Texas Public Policy Foundation more than anyone else, really turning it into one of the premier think tanks across the country. And then she went on to be Donald Trump's domestic policy advisor, and she now runs the America First Policy Institute. Her mother, who was the first ever elected county commissioner in, I think, Somerville County, not Johnson County, uh, came in and filed for state representative. So you had some of these last-minute filings, and all of those last-minute filings seemed to go in the favor of those trying to change the direction of Texas. There were not last-minute filings that made life harder for conservatives. And also, we have a number of our conservative fighters that fought last session who aren't even challenged. Tony Tinderholt, Nate Schatzline, Brian Harrison, Bo French, the newly elected county chair in Tarrant County, was having dinner with him and just, you know, recognizing the fact that when he got elected, everybody said the establishment's going to come for you. The establishment's going to come for you. And he's walking into office unopposed. These were huge victories for conservatives. And now we know every single battlefield that exists. In most election cycles I have followed since, let's say, I mean, I was I was in politics in 2006, but the reality is I wasn't like following each and every election until probably 2010, 2012. But in 2010, when I looked at state representative elections across Texas, I might've had eight or nine races I was following closely. In the 12s and 14s and 16s, it was like 30, 20, 35. And right now, I'm literally watching 55 races just in the Texas House of Representatives. That tells you how the map has grown. Some of those are challengers to bad incumbents. And quite a few incumbents that said they were going to run again, later on, after they went back to their district and they started talking to people and realizing how upset everyone was with their record, they said, you know what, I've decided retirement is a better option. So we had a number of late retirements over the last little bit, and even some people who maybe were going to retire that decided not, Dwayne Burns, Jeff Leach, are kind of in that category, who likely at some point were probably leaning towards retiring, which is why they filed for office so late, but ultimately they decided to step in. One of the reasons for that is that Dade Phelan's team is losing a massive amount of seniority and experience in a lot of the people that are leaving. The chamber is going to look different. Sometimes open seats are actually harder to win for conservatives than challenging an incumbent. And the reason that is, is because historically, it's easier for the establishment to find some no-namer who has very little record to run and be their puppet, and you can't hold him accountable. You can't say this guy himself is really bad, because maybe he hasn't 
voted before. Maybe he hasn't been elected. That's kind of who they prefer. Some lawyer or realtor or doctor who's never been elected can run, have a clean record, get elected and still kind of be their stooge. And so as some of these incumbents realize they're really vulnerable, they will often go, okay, it's time for me to step down. I'm going to pass the baton off to somebody who's going to vote just like me, but doesn't look like he will. And then we'll all pour in tons of money. The establishment always outspends conservatives in these contests. You see a lot of different battle lines being drawn. One of those big battle lines being drawn is the school choice battle line. So you have all of these school choice groups and the governor who's really spearheading this effort to say, hey, the 21 Republicans that are running, they need to go. Now, one of the races he's gotten really involved in is Brent Money. Brent Money is running in uh, the area just east of Dallas, Hunt, Van Zant, Hopkins County. This district is actually a special election that will be voted on on January 30th. Conservatives are aligned with Brent Money. The Austin Swamps aligned with Jill Dutton and Greg Abbott came in and has been on the side of Brent Money in that race just recently. So there's going to be these school choice battle lines across the state of Texas. So if your state representative is Keith Bell or Hugh Shine or Drew Darby or Stan Lambert or Ken King, you're now in a, ra- a district where there's a battle going on regarding the future of education policy. Dwayne Burns. These are the Republicans who decided to side with teacher unions and the Democrat Party's platform over the Republican Party platform, Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, John Cornyn. You know, we often get told we're like radical, right? Well, you don't understand Luke or random member of a conservative group in Texas. You're really radical. Your views are crazy. They're way out there. But the problem is, What happens when the policy we want to see is actually supported by the Republican Party platform, the National Party platform, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, John Cornyn, Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, Glenn Hager, Sid Miller, Ken Paxton, Don Buckingham. I mean, what happens when everybody's like, yeah, we need school choice. And then these members are like, no, I'm with the Democrat Party platform and the liberal teacher unions. See, that's a radical position to hold. It is a radical position position to hold, but they hold it anyways. We also got some last minute victories within the party. The Denton County GOP got together last week and elected a new county chair because their county chairman, Brent Higginbaugh or whatever his last name is, it's kind of spelled weird. He's running for state Senate. Okay. And now the open Drew Springer seat. And he was the Denton County chair. And you have to understand when he was Denton County chair, he was basically fighting conservatives tooth and nail every single day. So this guy wouldn't even have meetings because he was afraid that conservative precinct chairs would actually pass resolutions and positions that were in line with the Republican Party platform, but not in line with the elected Republican politicians in Denton County. So he decides to run for state Senate, which vacates that position. And now the precinct chairs get together to elect a new county chair. I'm a precinct chairman. If you're not a precinct chairman in your area, you need to look. You can't file for one because the filing's done. But I will tell you this. Many people live in areas like myself where I looked it up and my area in San Antonio didn't even have a Republican precinct chair. It was vacant. So I could literally go to the party, fill out an application, give them a one page application. They stamped it. They voted on me on the next meeting. And I was a precinct chairman actively involved in now the governance of the Republican Party in my county, Bear County. So those precinct chairs come together and they say, we're going to elect Lacey Riley. And Lacey Riley was already running for county chair against Brent Higginbaugh because Lacey's a conservative Republican who wants to see the party move in the conservative direction. 
And what we see time and time again is even though there are these critics out there and people upset about different things, we are remaining focused on literally winning each and every little battle we can win. And that's what you need to be focused on. You're going to get attacked and you're going to get told all sorts of different things and distracted by all these dramatic little, uh, you know, battles that come up and tug of wars and frictions. And you got to stay focused and say, what is it? What matters? What is going to move my state in the right direction? Precinct chairman in Denton County got together and they said, what's going to move the state in the right direction? Our community in the right direction is a conservative county chair. They went to the meeting. They elected a conservative county chair by dozens of votes. And she's now in charge. She's now running the Republican Party of Denton County. So Tarrant County GOP now has more conservative leadership than ever before. The Parker County GOP, Brady Gray is a good friend of mine. He's also the president of the Texas Family Project, is the new county chair over there. Scott Utley was a conservative county chair before him. He leaves. Brady Gray comes in. Brady's really conservative. Denton County GOP is moving in the conservative direction. Collin County GOP has had conservative leadership under Abraham George. He's now running for state representative, so he passes the baton off to another conservative Republican county chair. All of these things are moving in the right direction. And that is a huge encouraging reality that we need to kind of recognize. Also, at the same time that we're having these victories, Tony Ann DeShiel, who is our RNC committee woman. So the Republican Party of Texas has three members on the Republican National Committee, okay? Our committee man, our committee woman, and then our state party chair. And you have to understand that Matt Rinaldi and Robin Armstrong, who's our committee man, have both been conservative forces not only at the RNC level, but at the RPT level. So they're wanting the national party and the state party to both be moved in the right direction. I met Tony Ann DeShiel when I was 16 years old because she lived in the district that my dad was running in. Okay. I don't remember. She could correct me if I'm wrong. I think she was, she was either the Kendall County GOP chair at the time. She was definitely like probably the TFRW regional president or vice president. She was very involved in the Republican Women's Club. She was an organizer. And at the time, she was working hard to make sure my dad didn't get elected to the Texas House of Representatives and Carter Castile was there. Two years later in 2008, she was like a party person, so she wanted to stay neutral, which didn't seem to be reflected in her actions in 2006. I say this to say that from then to now, I've watched Tony Ann DeShiel rise in prominence. She's always been a prominent figure. Even in 2006, she was a major prominent figure in the Republican Party of Texas. If you went to the Texas Federation of Republican Women Convention, if you went to the Republican State Convention, a lot of people knew who Tony Ann DeShiel was. And since then, she's been a force to keep the Republican Party as moderate as possible. That is what she's worked to do. To protect as many of the politicians who are doing the wrong thing, okay? So if you're a politician or a party activist and you're literally stirring up contention against the conservatives, if you're thwarting conservative policy, if you're killing certain things, if you're a really loyal person to Dade Phelan, Tony Ann DeShiel is going to push you in prominence. She'll have you on one of her conference calls or do something else like that. So Tony Ann DeShiel came out and said, I'm running for re-election which is the election at the convention in late May when the Republican Party comes together. And just last week came out and said, you know what, after further consideration, I've got some other opportunities. I'm not going to be seeking the nomination from the party, 
the election of Republican National Committee woman. Huge victory for conservatives in Texas. The party continues to move in the right direction. And that's what we have to continue to fight for. We're not going to stop. It doesn't mean that every battle we fight, we will win. But you have to understand that we keep having these wins time and time again. And if we stay focused, we can continue. Citizens should dominate the conversations around culture and government. And to do that, we need to be informed. That's why Texas Scorecard exists, putting the news in context. We cover the stories that matter to you, the ones that you talk about around the kitchen table, not those dictated by politicians or coastal elites. Our mission is to help citizens move from media consumers to cultural and political influencers. The issues you care about, covered by people who share your values. Texas Scorecard, real news for real Texans. There were also a number of Republican incumbents who weren't challenged, who aren't necessarily, let's say, fighters for the conservative movement day in and day out. And I think this is an important thing to highlight for a reason. When I, I think when I explain, you'll understand. So Shelby Slauson is a good example. Shelby Slauson is somebody who is a lieutenant of Dade Feelings. Okay. She is on the calendars committee. She is, I mean, as a freshman, everyone was like, who is this woman? She's on all these powerful committees. She's being given all of these bills from day one. In fact, uh, Dade Phelan in freshman orientation, their freshman orientation, he had Lacey Hole stand up and uh, Shelby Slauson. This is kind of like a, a scene that's been recounted to me several times, but like Shelby Slauson, Lacey Hole, and another woman who was elected, I don't even know. And he said, everyone look at those people. That is the future of our party. Okay. And so the emphasis for Dave Phelan at that point was like women, women are the future of the GOP, not men or like not cisgender white men or something. I don't know what he meant. You never know with Dave Phelan. That's the future of our party. Now, Shelby Slauson is not somebody who votes like a liberal Republican all the time, but she is a team player for Dave Phelan, right? So she plays the game. She votes more conservative than many of the other Republicans, but, you know, she also voted to kill gender modification two sessions ago. She's on the calendars committee that put the gender mod bill at the very bottom of the calendar so we won't ever get to it. So she she plays the game. She's on the team. But when she was told in less than 72 hours, you're going to vote to impeach Attorney General Ken Paxton. She looked at it, and I don't know all of her reasoning, but this woman ultimately decided this is not good. And she voted against the impeachment of Ken Paxton. Sam Harless is at times a pretty good Republican and at times not a very good Republican. And on one of those issues is guns. Okay. I mean, which I think is pretty fundamental for Republicans. And Sam Harless voted with Justin Holland to literally disarm 18, 19 and 20 year old men and women. He said, you can vote, you can give your life for this country, but you cannot own an AR-15. And he's one of two Republicans that teamed up with Democrats to try to pass gun control in the Texas House of Representatives. I think that's a big deal. I think that's a really, really, really big deal. Sam Harless is unopposed right now. Now, if you want my opinion, because I've talked to activists across the entire state, I've talked to many of these candidates who are running for office, okay? 
people during the Ken Paxton trial and then during the school choice fight saw a very clear line in the sand drawn where you are either with the Democrats or you are with conservative Republicans. It's one or the other. And on these two battles that got a lot of attention, if you were as a Republican were on the right side of both of those battles, you're in a much better position to maintain your status as an elected state representative in the state of Texas. And if you're somebody who sided wrong on both of those or sided wrong just on the Paxton issue, people in your district rightfully see you as somebody who will team up with Democrats to pass their agenda over that of your Republican constituents. And rightfully so. My point is that when Sam Harless and Shelby Slauson made a decision in that moment in time during the impeachment trial, and it's a sham trial, wasn't even a trial, just during the impeachment, you know, charade. No, I'm not going to do this. They had enough independence from this monolithic perspective of themselves as pawns of leadership of Dustin Burroughs and Craig Goldman and Greg Bonin and Dade Phelan. At a moment, they said, no, I'm going to make my own decision. And when they did that, they likely set themselves up to not be opposed in their Republican primary. And see, more Republican state representatives need to understand that it's not just the Tony Tinderholtz and the Nate Schatzlines and the Brian Harrisons that aren't opposed. It's also the Shelby Slossons and the Sam Harlesses and the Carrie Isaacs. It's people who work a lot closer with leadership. It's people who think of themselves on the team. It's people who are not working to actually get maybe a more conservative house as a result of this election cycle. Those people aren't opposed either. Why? Because they made a decision at that moment in time with the Ken Paxton debate. I'm not going to just, you can't just make me vote however you want to vote. So I think that Republican representatives need to keep this in mind when they're looking at these things. Texas A&M University has hired, for those of you who have been following this, Mark Welsh, who is a pro-DEI Obama appointee as the president of the University of Texas A&M. And yes, it infuriates me that right after we passed a DEI ban, we don't want any diversity, equity, and inclusion on our college campuses. The Texas A&M Board of Regents get together and they decide, you know what? You know who would be a great president of our university? This guy who likes DEI and was an Obama appointee. How are we going to change the direction of our state when the board of regents of our university systems seem hell-bent on actually infl- like promoting and actually positioning indoctrinators in positions of power? This is what's happening. You can go to texasscorecard.com. They've done a phenomenal job reporting on all that's going on at AM, read the piece by City Henry, Texas AM names pro DEI Obama appointee president of the university. And you can read about some of the things Mark Welsh has said, the new president of Texas AM. So if you're an Aggie alumni, you should be infuriated. I'm not an Aggie alumni, but I bleed maroon because my mom and dad were both Aggies. Last but not least, I want to talk about another huge victory for Republicans and conservatives in Texas. We now no longer have a single Democrat chair in the Texas Senate. For the last couple of sessions, we've only had one, John Whitmire. John Whitmire was the last remaining senator, Democrat senator who chaired a committee. 
Um, Dan Patrick came out when the Republican Party of Texas said that banning Democrat chairs is a legislative priority. Dan Patrick was asked about it and he only had one. And he said at the time, look, I have one. He's literally the chairman of the committee on criminal justice. And he's really good at it. And I'm planning on replacing him with a Republican. And when he leaves, I will be replacing him with a Republican. And um, this is the way you actually respond to the grassroots. The grassroots say, we don't want Democrat chairs. And if you're the lieutenant governor of Texas, you say, hey, I have one. It's one of the smallest committees. And I'm literally replacing him with a Republican when he leaves. And the grassroots say, cool, great, moving on like they did. And they said, hey, in the Texas House, 40% of them are committee chairs. 40% of the committees are Democrat chaired. And so this has been a battle for multiple sessions now. And we continue to win inch after inch, small victory after small victory. Dennis Bonin gave Democrats public health. He gave them public safety. So Democrats actually had sole discretion over gun policy and many abortion policies, many transgender policies. Dade Phelan came in and got a lot of pressure. So he took Republicans out of those big committees, but still gave them 40% of the committees. He then got even more pressure because there was all these campaigns across the state of Texas and a ballot referendum in the March primary. And there was a legislative priority, the Republican Party of Texas. So he reduced the number of Democrat chairs all while fighting us, all while going up and making speeches. We need Democrat chairs. We need Democrat chairs. We need Democrat chairs. We need to get Democrats power. And he continues to lose ground session after session. Now the Senate is saying zero. That's where we want to go. Zero. So Dade Phelan, I don't know if you're going to be there next session. I think it's going to be tough. I know you're going to spend $3 million maybe $5 million trying to hold your seat. And if you barely hold on, you should think about following Dan Patrick's suit. You already followed his suit on the property tax policy, right? He said homestead exemption. You said, no, 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 no. And then you're like, hey, uh, let's do a homestead exemption. So just do the same thing with Democrat chairs. No, 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 no. Okay, fine. Let's ban Democrat chairs. Let's get rid of them. Just do it. If you manage to barely hold on. And even if Dave Phelan does hold on, I don't even know if he has the votes to get elected speaker again. That's up in the air as well. But whoever is the speaker has to recognize that this issue of Democrat chairs is one of the most fundamental important issues because it has to do with your posture towards the minority party. Do you want to give them leverage over you that you have to voluntarily hand, which they will use as a club against you? Victoria Niave, the Democrat chair of county affairs, just announced that she's stepping down to run for state Senate. You want to know why? Because she's like our Democrat state senator, who's very liberal, by the way, isn't fighting hard enough to let babies die in Texas. She wants abortion so bad. And she's like, I'm going to run against somebody in my own party because he's too far right. I'm running to the left of a very liberal Democrat because I want, 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 want to end the lives of as many children as possible in the state of Texas. And that is the woman who Dade Phelan said, hey, I'd like you to chair county affairs. So every rural Republican state representative who has four or five counties, whose county commissioners, county clerks, sheriff come to him and say, I have a little bill I want to pass. They have to go bow down to the queen of county affairs to make sure that their bill even gets a hearing because if they file the bill and it gets sent to her committee, she doesn't even have to hear it. She can just sit there all session and go, I'm never going to hear it. So if you vote too conservative, good luck ever getting a hearing in Victoria Niave's committee. That is the reality. So these guys get majorly affected by this. 
and neutered. So if you're wrong on this issue, you're wrong on setting up the session to maximize the policy successes we need to get because we're not getting enough. It's not because I'm discontent. It's because children are being attacked. It's because innocence is being exploited. We need to preserve and protect the innocence of our children. We need to expand freedoms and liberties. We need to actually look at the amount of money we're spending and rein it in. We have the largest spending increase in Texas history. Every Democrat voted for the budget. Canning out money left and right. So the really good news is the Texas Senate took the step in the right direction. And finally, John Whitmire was replaced by Pete Flores, who's now the committee chairman of criminal justice. So congratulations to you, the conservative grassroots of Texas, who have made this an issue, who have forced this to be an issue, and who continue to get victories year after year after year on these issues. We can't stop. We won't stop. May God bless you, and may God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.